0: Come on, say with me. God made me, loves me, has a plan for my life. I declare, I stand in grace. I walk by faith, love, and wisdom. I overflow. Come on, declare that. I overflow with joy and blessing wherever I go. I am a person of honor. I boldly declare that I will walk in. God's design for my life. I am courageous. I am full of faith. Come on, let's pray together. Father, I thank you for every man, every woman within the sound of my voice, every young person, Father. Lord, every person watching online, every kid in our kids' space, Lord, I declare the blessing of God over this place. Holy Spirit, I need you. Your people need you. Fill us, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Empower your people even now. Lord, let the armor of God be all over them. Let the mind of Christ fill them. Lord God, may you break shackles and bondages that, Lord, only you know about in Jesus' name name I declare Lord them champions and warriors for you I declare homes being blessed marriages being blessed in Jesus name I declare entrepreneurs being blessed leaders being blessed in the name of Jesus come on everyone said come on give the Lord a hand one more time in the house of God amen amen all right grab your seat grab your seat slap your neighbor while you're going down and saying don't double dip later this afternoon In the crowd today, we have every spectrum of people. We have some people that aren't watching the Super Bowl. We have the commercial watcher. Who couldn't care less about the game, but when the commercials come on, you better shut up. You're like, stop eating those chicken wings, stop crunching on chips, I'm watching the commercials. Um, You have the Super Bowl watcher. You haven't watched a football game. Oh yeah, but you will commit today. How many of those people are here? Anyone? Yeah, a few guilty people. Cool. Uh, couple of, how many couple of times a year you watch a game? Anyone? Yeah, a couple of times a year. How many commit? I mean, you watch games, baby. You're a watcher. Actually, it's more women putting their hand up than men. What's going on? <laughs> does, does, does our men need some help? Uh, how many fantasy football people? Yeah, all right, don't ever do that again. <laughs> then there's the season pass holders, which I think we all envy. And then there's the team. And I say that just to kind of put us all in a weird category. But here's what you've got to know about football. Uh, if you know nothing about football, how many of you know this, that the team that continues to take the most territory will win? The team that continues to take the most territory consistently will win. You may be unaware today or just simply need reminder today that the world we live in is in a battle for territory. There is a battle for territory. And I'm talking about your mind. I'm talking about your heart, which then plays out into everyday life. Life. I was speaking to a man from New York, um, a policeman yesterday from New York City and he was just telling me some of the stories honestly that are happening in New York City at the moment and it just kind of made me go man we need more people to rise up, we need more people to actually understand godliness, we need more people to understand that the foundations of life are actually important. And to build their life on a godly foundation so they can build their life on a right character, because how many of you know when you rip the foundations down, bad things happen? There is a battle for territory. I know in sometimes our culture, we don't always like the fact that there's winners and losers. but how many of you know that in every game there is a winner and there is a Lihu? Sir her. Do you know the Bible is actually full of stories of winners, someone say winners, and not winners. You see, the Bible actually tells us that there are champions that we should model after, but then it tells us the stories of people of faith, of people of character that sometimes had faith, but just lacked the, the heart and the follow through to, to follow through. And it actually warns us to not be like them. The Bible says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. It said, now these things happened to them. And it's speaking of Israel as they came out of Egypt, came into the promised land and wandered around the desert, it actually says that now these things happened to them as an example. Someone say example. But they were written down for our instruction. Whose instruction? Our instruction, on whom the end of the ages has come. Therefore, let anyone who thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. And God is faithful, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way out way of escape that you may be able to endure it. I think of the first winners and the first losers, to be honest, of the Bible, and you actually say it's Adam and Eve. They actually sat in paradise and they lost paradise. It would be like you being a billionaire and then becoming homeless. How many know that it would be better never to have been a billionaire than to be super wealthy and to lose everything? And they lost everything and then they had children. In Genesis chapter 4, I love this text of Scripture because I think it speaks so clearly of some different issues that happen. I think... All the time in our culture and in our lives, personally and marriage-wise and and, um, in your faith. Genesis chapter four, the Bible says this, verse one, Adam made love to his wife Eve and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. And later she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering, someone say offering, as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, someone say offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn, someone say firstborn, of his flock, and the Lord looked with favour, someone say favour, the Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. It is actually a very important Scripture for you and I to understand because it is what theologians call the law of first mention. The law of first mention is the first time an issue is ever addressed in Scripture that often sets therefore the pattern and the standard and the tone to teach you that as it begins to teach this first offering ever in the history of mankind, it has so much to teach you and I. Here's what we know about it: the first offering of in the history of mankind. Cain brings some stuff. Someone say some stuff. Abel brings. The Bible says fat portions from the first. Now here's what's amazing, don't think this is a small scripture. Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says this in verse 4, by faith, someone say by faith. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. Now thousands of years later, the writer of the book of Hebrews, who we're not actually sure who wrote it, but he begins to talk about the first offering of mankind and he says, by faith Abel did it. See, there's a way to actually honour God and it's always by faith. It's, there's a way to honour God and we sing the song, So, So Good. Do you know that faith always says, God, You're good, even if I don't understand it. Faith always says, God, You're so, so good and even when things go wrong in my life, you got to understand that God is still good even when things go wrong. God is still good when someone disappoints you. God is still good when When your family falls apart, God is still good. And faith says continually, God, though I don't understand everything, I will follow after you. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks. Why would Abel still be speaking? Because his example is a very important example. And now we actually see the battle for territory. And that's what I want to talk to you about mostly today. The battle for territory. Now here's what God goes on to say. In verse five, uh, verse six, it says this, but for Cain is offering, it says this in the Amplified Bible, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant and he looked sad and depressed. Now it's not an encouraging scripture, but hang with me. You're going to get something good out of this. Amen. <laughs> What's this now, but for Cain and his offering, he had no respect or regard. So Cain was exceedingly angry and indignant and he looked sad and depressed and played country music songs to himself. <laughs> Cain was sad and depressed and ate mint chocolate chip ice cream all night long. Then verse seven, God asked him a question. Someone say question. The most important question isn't the question you ask God, it's the question God asks you. Listen to this in verse seven. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Notice that God does not appease him. He doesn't cuddle him. You ever been around um, a husband and wife and, 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 and the wife's kind of like, oh, come here, sweetheart, come here, come on, come on, let's cuddle. And the dad's more like, come on, son how God is far more like a father than He is a mother. He's kind of like, come on Cain, get your act together. He says, if you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Now he doesn't say this, I'm super sorry for making you feel bad about yourself. He doesn't say this, my most important assignment is your self-esteem. He doesn't say this, you just follow your truth. Gosh, our culture needs to hear that. Every man, every woman needs to hear that right now. He does not say to him, whatever's right for you, Cain, is right for you. No, he is teaching him something very, very important. He actually challenges Cain in the area of faith and actually what he brings to God. Because what Cain had was a leftover spirit. What Cain said, I've got this little stuff and I'll give that to God, but I'm gonna trust me for my provision. But Abel does something different. He actually takes the first and the best and the Bible says it honours God because he looks at God as his supply. He looks at God, not just his business, not just his agriculture, not just his, his plans and his stocks. No, he looks at God as his supply. So he had no problem bringing an offering of faith. Why? Because he was staring at God. He was staring at the goodness of God. Does that make sense? Amen, one of you. Amen, amen. I've noticed that one of the things in our culture that people feel like is the worst thing you can do is to bring up an area where they personally feel shame or guilt about. You hear things like this, don't guilt me. Don't shame me. Don't judge me. Don't talk about that area. Here's the truth. If you know what is right and if you know what is wrong, do you know that there is a natural guilt and a natural shame when you break standards. How many know this? Years ago, this was kind of played out to me when I was first leading a Bible study. I was 19 years old. I was at Liberty University and, and they were looking for leaders to lead. And I felt like the Holy Spirit asked me, Anthony, I want you to lead a Bible study. And there was this great guy on my dorm and uh, his name was Brent and he was from the south and he had this really like really southern accent like so southern that when you're in the south everyone thinks you have this really southern accent now everyone sounded like they had a weird accent to me because I was from Australia right and um and I would see Brent and he'd come up to me and talk to me like hey man how you doing and so forth but what's interesting is when Brent was doing bad spiritually he would avoid me I'd see him in the hallway and I'd kind of look, you know when you see someone and he'd kind of do this. And I'd literally know in my own heart, I'm like, oh, he's struggling with something. He is not doing well spiritually. Some of you have experienced this. You might have been coming to church for a couple of months now, a couple of years now. And you get around some people who say, oh, why didn't you come to church? Oh, you'd be great if you came to church. And then all of a sudden you notice that when you get around them, they actually sometimes avoid you a tiny bit. And it's not because you make them feel guilty. Actually, it's their own nature and their own conscience that actually knows that there is a God who loves them and died for them, but somehow they're avoiding it. And they're staying in guilt and they're staying in shame. Now, how many of you know that the Holy Spirit does not want you in shame and guilt? The blood of Jesus Christ actually washes your sin away. It literally removes guilt. But how many of you know that His job is not just to justify you, as in make you righteous from heaven's perspective, it's actually to change you on the inside. And it's to change you, and when you change, how many you know that you stop doing certain things? The book of Ephesians tells us this. It says, Let him who steal, it says, steal no longer, but let him labor with his hands so that he might be generous. Notice the transformation. They are Christians, but he says to them very clearly, Let him who steal not just stop stealing, literally be so transformed that now you are stepping into generosity. Now it says, it says this in Ephesians 4, it says, Let him who lies not just stop lying but now go another level of transformation. Now speak the truth in love. Let's go another level. Not just stop cursing. Now speak well of people. Do you see the transformation? You used to cuss all the time and tell everyone they're a blankety blank and blanker. (laughs) And now you're like, you're awesome. You're amazing. God's got gifts for you. God's got plans for you. Is anyone hearing me today? I believe Christians should be the most encouraging people on the planet. Encourage. How many know when you come to the house of God, it should be an encouraging thing? You know, one of the things I found that when it was 2020 and 2021, how many know as a pastor of a church, I, it is important I lead people to the house of God. Now, sometimes we'd kind of get a message like, hey, don't shame me. I'm like, I'm not shaming you. I'm teaching you. Now, whether you feel shame or not, that's probably because you weren't listening. Let me say that again, because that went over like a uh, uh, a brick. There were some messages like, "Don't, don't shame me, don't, don't. And I'm like, I'm not shaming you. Hebrews 10, 25 says, do not give up meeting together as some in the habit of doing but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see the day approaching I cannot as a pastor not encourage you to come to church I can't just say to everyone online who's watching who's close enough in proximity enough to come to our church I should not say to them stay and watch from home why because how many know the experience is quite different how many know it doesn't feel the same? Now, it doesn't mean that our service is online. I wanna say this very clearly. I've been ridiculously blessed from ministers from afar, from Joyce Meyer to T.D. Jakes to Stephen Furtick to so many ministers, they are a compliment to my faith. But me watching Bishop T.D. Jakes on home is not the same as me coming to worship, hanging out with people, spending time with people, encouraging people. Man, you can do it and stirring one another. (laughs) Because in the house of God, eventually you should become the encourager. I should become the encourager. It's not just enough for me to get encouraged and someone to preach at me. I didn't have church yet until I got together with people. And sometimes in, in our, in our feelings-based culture, we're like, you can't shame people. And I'm like, I'm not shaming anyone. I'm teaching you and leading you. And this is exactly what God was doing. Actually, when, when Cain brought an offering that was leftovers, he says, I'm not shaming you. I'm leading you. Do you see the difference? I'm not shaming you, I'm shepherding you. And I have realised over this last number of years especially in these last two or three years, just because you come to church, that does not mean you are being shepherded by this house because you could be shepherded by TikTok and you could be shepherded by Instagram and you could be shepherded by CNN and you could be shepherded by all kinds of voices. Whoever you listen to the most and do what they say, you are being shepherded by them instead of shepherded by Jesus, the way, the truth and the life. Listen, I just want to encourage you young people, listen, uh, young people and everyone, just be aware of your phone because whatever fills you, leads you. Whatever fills you, leads you. Do you know in, in teenage years, especially among girls, the statistics are there has never been as much depression as there is today and it is the only statistic that they could point to is it is massively because of the use of phones. So you might be like, I, I don't like this message. I'm trying to shepherd you. And some people, though they wouldn't say they're shepherding you, they are shepherding you and they're shepherding you to barren places. Let this pastor shepherd you to good places so that you have good grass to feed on and so your mind and your soul is nurtured. Can I get a good amen Amen. in the house of God? I'm taking way too long on that point, but maybe you needed it the most. Slap your name and say that one's for you. You know, there was a phrase that was said a lot over the last number of years, new normal. And it was obviously to do with what was happening. And I want to say this, when you become a Christian, here's the new normal. You take on kingdom thinking. The new normal for a Christian is taking on kingdom thinking. The new normal for a Christian is the spirit of honour. The new normal for a Christian is forgiving people, even if they hurt you. The new normal is being committed to the house of God. The new normal is reading and feeding on the Word of God. That's the new normal. Can we get a new normal? Instead of a fake normal? Come on, let's get a new normal. Now watch what God says to Cain. It's such an important conversation. He says this in verse seven, but if you do not do what is right, remember he's speaking to Cain. Cain is angry, Cain's disappointed. The Bible says sin is crouching at your door. Watch this now. He gives it personality. It's so powerful. He says it desires to have you. Do you know that God desires to have you? But he says this to Cain, but it desires to have you too. But he says, but you must rule over it. Do you think that's the only time in Scripture that God says stuff like that? In the Old Testament, you'll always find the echo in the New Testament. Listen to what Peter says in 1 Peter 5.8. It's the same language. Why? Because it's the same spirit. 1 Peter 5.8, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone. 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 Slap your neighbor, say. Come on, slap your neighbor, say. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I just have in my heart, there are so many Christians wandering around going, the devil could never touch me because I'm a Christian. (laughs) You completely disagree with Jesus. Listen to what the Bible says. Be self-controlled and alert. It means wake up. He says, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like someone looking for someone to devour. Who does he devour? He devours the young. He devours the injured, the offended. And he devours those who are isolated. That's who he devours. He says, resist him, verse 9, standing firm in the faith. Romans 6, Paul echoes the same thing. Therefore, he says, do not let sin reign. Therefore, do not let sin reign. There's a battle for territory. He says, don't let sin reign. Don't let it have dominion. Don't let it take up space in your mind and in your heart. It says, do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to Him as an instrument of righteousness. Watch this now, for sin shall no longer be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. Amen. Some say, I must master it. I heard that Australian accent. I must master it. You think after all these years, I could imitate an American accent better, wouldn't you? What does Cain do? Cain who is meant to be the defender of his brother, Cain who is meant to be the protector of his brother, Cain loses the favor of God, he mulls it over, he gets jealous, he gets envious, he gets covetousness and it's interesting that God says you must master it and he doesn't master it and he allows that sin to creep up on him and the first, not just offering, but the first murder of the entire Bible happens right here and I wonder to myself how often that, that we allow some sin to get in and eventually it takes us down a path we were never meant to go down. In the game we watch today, later today, there will be two teams battling for territory. You know, sometimes you watch a play and the guy will get three inches and you'll be like, why is he excited? Because that three inches meant a first down or a turnover and they're battling over territory and battling over territory and battling over territory and I just feel in my heart that we've got to understand that there's a battle for our minds and a battle for our heart and the battle for our mind and a battle for our heart often comes around this thing around sexual immorality number one and number two it comes around that that spirit of mammon like who controls it and that was the first offering ever in the bible and so I want to give you five quick things I'm running out of time but Let me give you five quick thoughts. If you like to take notes, you'll like this section. If you don't like to take notes, uh, you'll still like it, but uh, we'll see how we go. Why is it so important that Christians put on a new normal as in a new paradigm, a new kingdom thinking around how you think about finance and money and work? Why is it so important? Because it battles for your heart. Jesus says you cannot serve both one and the other. You can have both, you can be. Abraham was wealthy. Job was perhaps the wealthiest man on the planet at that time. You can have both, I promise you, but God doesn't want money to own you. So let me give you five things that I hope the more you get this, especially if you're a young person, if you're a teenager, if you're in your 20s, get this early. It will bless your life. Number one, you were made to produce. Say that with me, I was made to produce. My brother-in-law's twin owns a cafe down in Florida and over the last two years he could barely hire anyone because the government was paying them more than he could pay them. Only in extreme instances receive from the government. Try to stay there as short a time as possible because it cultivates laziness, not work, not ethic, don't rely on government rely on God but the way to actually rely on God is to work the gift he gave you you were made to produce number two work your gift or work in your giftings how many know that when you work in your giftings you prosper when you work in your giftings, you do better. When you work in your giftings, you're happier. Now, let me say this to every young person. Sometimes you don't always get to work in your giftings. So go back to rule number one. You were made to produce. Work hard. And doesn't mean just because you've got a gift of guitar doesn't mean you're getting paid by that. All right, I'm preaching way better than you're shouting, but okay. Number three, honesty is a big deal. See, when you, when, if you lie to get money, a spirit of mammon literally comes over your life. You say to God, God, you're not my supplier. I need to supply myself. I'm gonna scheme, I'm gonna plot, I'm gonna do this kind of stuff. And I just wanna encourage you, whether it be around money or any area, we are followers of Jesus and therefore followers of the way, the truth, and the life. And so I must, absolutely must deal with this area of, I believe honesty is such a big deal to God. Number four, blessing is attached to diligence. Say that with me, blessing is attached to diligence. Dave Ramsey says this, working is doing it, discipline is doing it every day, but diligence is doing it well every day. Isn't that good? The longer I live, the more I see it's rarely luck that you're blessed. The longer I live, the more, I I rarely bump into someone who's done really well and (laughs) just uh, won the lottery. Do you know in impoverished areas, they actually spend four times the money on lottery tickets than in wealthy areas? Why? It's not luck, it's diligence, it's gifting, it's perseverance, it's time, over time. God wants to bless you. How many know that? No, seven of you, good. Number five, money is a worship issue. Here's what God wants to teach you and me. See, when I take my life and I can't give to God, what I'm actually saying is, God, it's about me. Life is all about me. But when I actually learn to honour God and and put Him first and take a dime out of every dollar and say, God, this is yours, you know what I'm saying? God, it's about you. God, it's about you. And that is one of the most important lessons in the faith is this one, because I have never met anyone whose faith I would like to follow who does not honour God with their finances. Come on, I'm trying to mature some people here today. Ephesians chapter four tells me that one of the works of a pastor, the work I am actually called to do is to equip you for the works of service and to mature you so that you become mature. Now, how many know you can't become mature unless you start to win this battle? Am I preaching to anyone today? Many years ago, I heard this story. I thought it was so powerful. This American pastor, very well-known pastor went overseas to Nigeria. He went to this one church. It was a very significant church in Nigeria. I think he preached there. And then uh, the American pastor asked the guy, hey, how did, you, how did you pay for this building? I mean, this building's incredible and so forth. And, and the guy's like, well, my people, they honour God. He goes, no, 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 you must have some support from overseas, you must have American churches helping you to support this building. He goes, no, 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 my, my church honours God. And he looks at him and says, doesn't your church honour God, pastor? And he literally says there, he, the, the American pastor looked at him and said, 30% of my people honour God. And the Nigerian pastor looked at him and said I didn't know you had an unbelieving church because in a third world nation if people can honour God surely and perhaps the wealthiest nation in the world surely these people should honour God 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8 is the promise of God for your life, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound, it says, in every good work. It's a promise of God. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 And God is able to make all grace abound to me So that in all things at all times Having all that I need I will abound in every good work You know I love the fact that I literally said to our church last week Hey we're going to give three churches away to India And a couple that's been watching online they Had significant health issues in the, in the time of COVID Literally said Pastor we're going to take care of those three churches Let me say this one, one more thing. Do you know that the reputation in church life is if someone's a youth pastor, they know they barely get paid any money whatsoever. And so youth ministry and the younger generation often cannot actually put the right person in place because they, they will pay them something like $20,000. And how many know in New Jersey, you can't deal with $20,000. But I just believe that one of the reasons that happens is because the leader won't, won't lead the people to actually honor God with their giving and I just want to say to you church sometimes when I speak about this subject I get a little nervous I'm like, ah, 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 and then I feel the Holy Spirit say don't you want your people to honor me and I'm like oh sorry Lord may I never give in to a spirit of fear because someone doesn't like it. Let me say this, to hell with that. We need to be the church that breaks the spirit of mammon and pushes forward the things of God time and time and time again. It's about territory, church. My mind, my heart, your mind, your heart. It's fine. said, if you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then all of these things shall be added unto you as well. Come on, close your eyes. Actually sit, sit for a moment, I want you to sit. Come on, close your eyes still. Some of you are gonna get too antsy if I do that. Father, I thank you for every man here. I thank you for every woman. I thank you for their lives. I thank you for their faith. I thank you for the seed of faith you've given to each one. Lord, I pray for that seed today. Lord, you said in your word to each one's been given a measure of faith. And I just pray that as they apply your word, that faith would grow. That faith would grow. That faith would grow that faith would grow in this house Lord that it would bless children, it would bless overseas, it would bless homes, it would bless businesses it would bless your name it would bless your kingdom Father in Jesus name I declare the blessing of God over every life right now in the mighty name of Jesus while eyes are closed while heads are bowed it's a very important time in our service we've a about 10 minutes left. In this moment, maybe you're here today and you come to church but you say, Pastor, I don't know if I know Christ. I, I don't know if I know Him. I don't know if I'm a child of God or not. My mother has faith. My father has faith. I grew up Catholic or Christian. Whatever you grew up, you might have grown up atheist or sorcery or whatever you grew up, The Bible doesn't care how you grew up. Jesus looked at a moral man. He said, you must be born again. Jesus looked at an immoral woman and said, come to me and thirst. Either way, moral or immoral. He says, come to me. So in a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. And that prayer can lead you to the King of all kings and the Lord of all lords. He knocks at the door of our heart. He knocks and says, son, daughter, can I come in? I want to clean up. I want to forgive. I want to make you to be the person I've always desired you to be. All I ask is you to open your heart and step out in faith and begin to follow me. So all across this place, eyes are closed. In a moment of prayer, I'm going to pray a simple prayer and that prayer will lead you to a person. Come on, let's pray this prayer together. Line. let's pray this prayer together. Say Jesus I need you I confess that I've built my own kingdom but today I step forward into your grace I declare I need you have mercy on me be the Lord of my life be my saviour I need your forgiveness from this day on Help me hear your voice and follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. While eyes are closed all across this place. If you did that today and you know, you're like, Pastor Anthony, I I said that and I am receiving Christ today. Or secondly, you did that today and you know you've been running away from God. Slipped away from God. But you want to come back today. You want to rededicate your life today. All across this place, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Raise up high. Come on all across this place. Thank you, sweetheart. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Appreciate that hand. Thank you, those in the back there. That's awesome today. Number of people raising their hand today. That's awesome. You don't need to be scared. You don't need to be worried. It's an awesome thing to say, Jesus, I need you, Jesus. I need your touch. You put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand. I thank you for every heart. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, would you bless your people and strengthen them in every, every, area, Nothing else but say, Jesus, You are Lord. We thought You were special. We thought You were wonderful. We thought You were this. But when You rose from the dead, Lord, You were everything You said You were. And so we put our trust in You and our faith in You. And then He told those disciples to go and make disciples of all the nations. He told them to declare His Word. And His Word in John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever would believe in Him. What's that? Believe in Him. It's not to have every question answered. It's to simply say, out of the heart, I believe. I believe you lived. I believe you died. I believe you rose from the dead. I believe you made me. I believe you have a plan for my life. So Holy Spirit, make these words alive in people right now. And if you're here in this place, and you have not yet invited the King of all kings into your heart, I wanna give you the great invitation. There's no invitation like that invitation to open the door of one's heart and say, King Jesus, forgive, heal, restore, come into my life. So all across this place, if you mean business with God, if that's what you wanna do, maybe you've never done that before in your life, or for some reason you ran away you fell away you slipped away all across this place if you want to invite Jesus in your heart we're all going to pray a simple prayer together pray with me with faith say King Jesus I open my heart I ask you to come in forgive heal restore impart help me know you and live for You in Your powerful Name. While eyes are closed, all across this place, if you pray that today and you've never ever prayed that before, I want you to quickly slip up your hand. And secondly, maybe you ran away from God, fell away from God, but you feel like you need to come back to God. You can also slip up your hand all across this place. Raise your hand, raise it up high. Long enough for me to see it. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Hands going up all across. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, you can put your hand down. Father, I thank you for every hand, every heart. In the mighty, mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Bless your people, strengthen them. in Your powerful name. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, can we give the Lord a hand?